Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Matt. Hi. We have you on. Oh, is this the introduction? I think so. When I'm thinking about this book and I'm thinking about discussing topics on this book, I'm like, what do I say? How do I say it in a manner that is not insensitive? It's because I've never really been in a situation with an eating disorder before. So I'm like, how do I approach this topic in talking about it, you know? Well, at least we're all going through that together. Yeah. We are learning. Welcome to yet another episode of Fiddle and Pipe. Here's our formal intro. I'm Brittany Ross. With me is Catherine Flincham. Hello. Hottest babe on the block. With COVID. Woo. Rip. (laughs) It's going to happen eventually. You can catch it through the podcast. You can catch it through the podcast, so you guys better be wearing your mask. It's okay. There's there's at least six feet between all of us, so. Let's hope. (laughs) Let's hope you can't catch anything through Zoom particles. It's about five and a half. Oh, God. Catherine, you back the fuck up. <laughs> I don't want your Rona. Yeah, I know. Catherine is right next to me on the screen. I don't know. <laughs> and we have Matt Richards of mm, Conversations with us. Yo, that's what they call me. Today, we are talking about chapters three and four of the opposite of butterfly hunting. I was about to say Fifty Shades of Grey because we were just talking about that, which is- Oh my goodness. Drastically different book. Not the same. Uh, that's about the uh, same. Uh, uh, no. Same. Uh. <laughs> hey, we do get though, you guys didn't notice, we got some Hobbit weird crossover that happened in a way. I, oh, and that's what I noticed. I was like, we have a weird, interesting relation with our book order because the first two books that we did this year kind of like, they, they flowed well together, Atomic Habits and Do Nothing, and now we're in, then we did The Hobbit and a little bits and pieces. I mean, we'll get to that, but I was like reading about like the section where she mentions about some stuff from The Lord of the Rings and I was like, this wasn't purposeful. This is weird. I noticed that too. And I was like, we just read that. It's all on purpose. It was planned. We are just magical geniuses of scheduling out books, I guess. I don't know. We really are. Which is funny because I remember we were Zooming and we literally both had stacks of books and we're like, which one do you want to read? I don't know. Which one do you want to read? I don't know. Which one do you want to read? I don't know. (laughs) We literally were guessing like, what is this book about? We don't know. Let's just put it on the schedule. It was calling to you. It really was. Before we go on any further in this episode, trigger warning, if anything about eating disorders, anorexia, trauma, I don't know, maybe just general mental health therapy, if any of that stuff doesn't vibe well with you, you might want to just listen to some of our past episodes or maybe just catch us on our next book. Yeah, because this seems like we'll be talking about a lot of this for most of this book, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to, if you guys are not comfortable reading and following along this book, we have other books that you are more than welcome to follow along on. You literally do not have to start immediately from episode one, so. But we do suggest if you're going to start this book and you haven't listened to last episode, maybe go back to last episode. Yeah, that that is a thing. So, Matt. That's me. I guess we should start off with, you are a big Harry, Harry Potter fan. 
I am a big Harry Potter fan. I've watched them once or twice. And you were actually the person who suggested this book to us. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Are you a big Ivana Lynch fan? Um, I mean, sure. I mean, apart from the fact that she was in the movies, I mean, I don't know that much about her in particular. I Luna is my favorite character from Harry Potter, so that's kind of why I was drawn to her specifically. Anytime an actor brings my favorite character to life, I always am like, oh, look look at what they're doing. She does a real great job, too, of bringing that character to life. She does. Mm-hmm. It's so weird and quirky and just why we all love Luna. Mm-hmm. It's really her whole vibe as a person, too. It's just a shame that she's not secure enough to, like, embrace that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I also like, I mean getting ahead of myself, but I really like how she talks about Luna Lovegood's character later on in chapter, I think it's four, Mm -hmm. that she mentions it. I mean, we can talk about that later, but I don't know, just even reading some of the opening stuff that we read in the first chapter, how she was like young and she had this creative side, it just always kind of seemed like her personality felt well with the character of Luna Lovegood. So I think it really yeah. vibe with her well. Thank yeah. A lot of the and that's the true for a lot of the actors in Harry Potter is like a lot of them, especially the younger ones, they are literal personifications of those characters. Mm-hmm. Like you see Emma Watson walking around, she's got books in her hands. She is super booky and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. It's just like the, so these people very clearly were drawn to these characters because it's a reflection of themselves in a way. Mm-hmm. But I think also one of the things, one of the story that was always going around before uh, she wrote this memoir for Ivana Lynch, people always were saying that it was her getting the role of Luna that sort of helped her overcome her eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And um, this was obviously years before her memoir came out. So she obviously goes into more detail and explains really what went down. Mm-hmm. But that was sort of an inspiring story for people. It's like, oh, she was having eating disorder and then Luna saved her life or something like that. I think it's unique because back in the day when she did come out as like a movie star for the first time with Harry Potter, it's like she's a normal person in the celebrity yeah. world, it seems like with that. Because I remember back in that time, what, when, when did Harry Potter come out? 2006? Uh, the fifth one. The fifth one came out in 07. Okay, in 07. I just remember, like, back in the day, like, celebrity, when I looked at celebrities, and I I was, like, a lot more focused on, like, Disney Channel <laughs> celebrities. I mean, if that... Dun, 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 that's what dun. you would know, because, like, you know, that whole high school musical cast, but, like, everyone's, like, super, like, they, they have, like, the cutest, like, outfits, and they're super perfect and everything like that, and I remember being, like, young and wanting to be like that, and then you see Ivana Lynch, and I remember, like... She just seemed really normal and quirky and she's relatable. Relatable. Yeah. With other celebrities back in the day, it was like, oh no, like they're untouchable. And so there's all, cause you, I mean, you go look at some of them now, they're all, a lot of them are sh- sort of stripped down now. They're like, they, they're mm-hmm. like, no, nah, that was all a fake persona. This is the real me. They, they, they were very much pushing that perception. Yeah. And they still try to. It's fake. Yeah. Jumping back, Catherine, to what you said several minutes ago about Gollum. Precious. Or, I don't know if you said anything about Gollum in particular, but you said something about The Hobbit. Do you want to elaborate on how The Hobbit ties into this book? 
Oh, so nice transition there, Brittany. I like what you did. So the opening of chapter three starts with Ivana basically saying that her family has just become more open or accepting of her eating disorder, it seems like. I wouldn't say accepting. I think that it's kind of becoming normalized. She says accepting, though, in the book. Does she? Yeah. Like, where is it? After a while, everyone just sort of accepted it. That's the first sentence. Oh. I mean, yeah, even even from the first chapter, you kind of get the sense that her parents are kind of just like, well, this is our daughter. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed kind of sad that they would make jokes about it because that's kind of how I guess they made it a little bit more open. And it's just... It's using dark humor as like a coping mechanism, which is... Yeah how i handle things yeah it's like a lot mm-hmm. of us do that it does yeah and i guess when someone is like so openly anorexic and especially if you're because she talks about how her sisters kind of pick on her mm-hmm. um as someone who has sisters that's a pretty normal dynamic to have is like you're constantly like teasing and almost berating each other so i don't think that that's that they're being mean or insensitive. It is one of those things, though. You kind of have to... I wouldn't know. Yeah, you kind of have to, like... I mean, kids, obviously, when you're younger, you don't understand this. But as you get older, you kind of know where to draw the line of, this is a sensitive topic. Let me not comment on this. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I with certain people, I know they have certain insecurities that I don't touch. Because I'm a huge fan of dark humor, too. But... I, there are certain things I won't touch with certain people because I know it's an insecurity for them. So Nothing is off limits mm-hmm. for me, Matt. Um, well, yeah. I don't want to go there. Especially with I me. I don't know if I want to go there right now. <laughs> I mean, especially, especially with me. I mean, you and I have that relationship. We're just like, let's just say shit and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But I know I there are some people where it's like, okay, this is a sensitive topic. Let me dial it back just a little bit because mm-hmm. I know. Like you, you were saying, a trigger warning. I mean, some people are triggered by certain experiences and commenting on it doesn't help. Yeah. She talks about how she's watching one of the Lord of the Rings movies with her mom and her sisters and Gollum appears on stage. <laughs> oh, hey, it's you. Oh, hello, Gollum. Yeah, that's what her sisters say. Oh. Her sisters are, like, repulsed by it. And Ivana's like, there's actually something beautiful about it. And she can tell that her mom's getting hella freaked out by her saying that, which, honestly, I would also be hella freaked out if my kid was saying that. I mean, yeah, when you look at Gollum, especially in Lord of the Rings, Gollum seems just really scary. I mean, we talked about this in The Hobbit. Gollum's a creature in a cave. But he likes fish. Likes fish, likes to canoe in the cave, in the lake. and Swim. Very slimy, very discolored, big eyes. It, it, I mean, when you think about Gollum, that's what you kind of think about, something a little bit terrifying and scary. And yeah, I can see how her mom was like, what? Yeah, see, that that's one of those jokes where, like, if a person is fe- clearly insecure about their body and you call them Gollum... That's going to affect them somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Ivana kind of uses this as a jumping off point to say, this is what you shouldn't say to people who mm. are struggling with 
eating disorders or people who have like anorexia uh, specifically. Don't call them Gollum. I like how very upfront she's on this too. She's not like holding back on anything. She's just like, hey, if this is somebody that you know, don't say that. That's not what you say. If I may read the paragraph, mm-hmm. because I, I was trying to sum this up and I'm like, no, I think she just does it better. These are things that you don't say to people with anorexia, only encourages them. It feeds the eating disorder and quiets the person beneath it. People think that they're doing something productive about your problem, pointing out how frail or scary you look, recoiling at your exposed arms in PE class, gasping at your spindly legs in a miniskirt, but actually they are just airing their own anxieties and insecurities and reinforcing the idea that, first and foremost, the world sees an eating disorder when it sees you. I become accustomed almost every day to hearing a version of, you look sick, or you're killing yourself, or you look like a corpse. But rather than jolt or upset me, as was perhaps intended, I enjoyed these comments. I sought them out, enjoying the shock and attention my thinness attracted everywhere I went. I love to hear, what is that name? Deirdre? Deirdre? Deirdre. I think it's Deirdre. I had a student with that name, actually. Yeah. Huh. I wish I could pronounce things. Recite what rate percentile percentile I dropped to. Loved the look of worry etched into a mom's face as she exclaimed at the way my new jeans were, quote, falling off me. Loved when my sisters took bets for how long it would be before they could fit one hand all the way around my upper arms. I knew on some level they were trying to shake me out of my revere, uh, trying to reach me, or maybe they couldn't help themselves, but these comments were counterproductive to their aims. To my mind, quote, you look like you're going to die. It sounded more like they were telling me I was special or strong, maybe even perfect. Mm-hmm. So it's like basically you're they're adding fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anorexia and other eating disorders are mental health issues mm-hmm. at their core. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like it sounds like almost any kind of disorder when people see that it's almost like they're just seeing the disorder and not this is a person with a disorder if that makes and sense she kind of also states that fact too later on in chapter four and i i just read chapter four so i'm just letting y'all know it's very clear in my mind but this <laughs> basically is that's what she says i mean we'll get to that soon but just say <laughs> i like how you keep starting a conversation then cutting yourself off so i'm like okay <laughs> but we'll get there stay tuned we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there it's just like in my brain fresh i did not write some notes just making sure, like, I have it fresh in my I'll brain. I'll try to be patient. So. I had to write notes because I, I read this before I went on vacation. Smart. So I had to retain it for a few weeks. Smart. Uh, which, if you know me and my ability to retain things, it's not that Mm-mm. good. I come off as very smart. I'm very smart. But only if I have seen the thing in the last 36 hours. Otherwise, nope. <laughs> no thought. <laughs> Clean slate. Goodbye. Clean slate. <laughs> Spilled milk. <laughs> Mm, milk. But yeah, if you say these things to someone who struggles with anorexia or really any kind of anything, it's just going to feed the disorder and you're going to lose the person themselves. It's literally better to talk about anything else. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like also she just kind of lost herself too because she began to not really... like. She talks about, I know there's somewhere she mentions... Well, she said this in chapter four, but we'll get there. Oh, she said in chapter four. Of course she did. Yeah. Yeah. We, you got to wait till we get to chapter four, Catherine. <laughs> chapter four. But it does seem like that she did alienate herself because 
she mentions how she doesn't really hang out with people anymore. She re- like she focuses more on her like diet and her exercise regime. So she is kind of losing herself as a person in a way and letting the eating disorder kind of like take control. Yeah, it kind of defines her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she also talks about kind of the mental calm and numbness that she gets from depriving herself of food, which is literally your bar- your body's way of, like, numbing yourself to your body dying off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the numbness. It's not some, like, runner's high or... Which, actually, that also might be hormones <laughs> for your body to be like, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm running. <laughs> but your body puts you in these, like, euphoric kind of states to prevent trauma to itself. Mm-hmm. It's just really sad. And when you stop acting like they're a person and that they're only their disorder or their trauma or whatever, that's when people emotionally and mentally check out. And sometimes mm-hmm. physically. I think this was like after she, after that paragraph that you wrote in the little next section, she talks about how her friends would pay her money to eat their snacks and how she felt like they gave her the attention because in the situation that she was in, it was unusual. That's what she said. Rather than her looking like pathetic or embarrassed about her having anorexia, she is kind of like taking in that people are like, oh, if you eat this snack of mine, I'll pay you this, you know? She's taking in that attention because she mentions it with, like, two girls in her class or something. She Mm -hmm. becomes, I'm going to say friends in quotes because they don't really seem like friends, but girls are also bitches. And it seems like... They're also, like, 11. Yeah. I remember a lot of girls being bitches when I was 11. Middle school is rough. No, I'm saying, like, I don't know know about y'all, but, like, the, the relationships that I had as a kid... Even my best, best, best friendships that I had as a kid usually were not that deep. <laughs> it just seemed like in this instance with these two girls, they were just there and they were mo- mainly friends. Like the two girls were like their own friend, like they were best friends and they just had to bond there. Yeah, she seemed more like a tag along than like part of the trio. Mm-hmm. But they would like give her attention like with her eating disorder, kind of like forcing, like not forcing, but like kind of bribing her I was trying to think of the right word bribing her to like eat something and kind of see that's what I got out of that little section was let's see what she does like does she is she really anorexic and I, I was just thinking of it from a perspective like a, of a really mean bitchy 11 year old middle school girl mm-hmm. that wears juicy couture tracksuits okay I don't know that was in there <laughs> it's it's almost like you're seeing an exotic animal and you're feeding it to see what it will do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. what it feels like to me. It's like, you're just gawking at this person because she looks different. And you're like, let's see what happens. When you're in middle school and if anybody is like weird or out of the ordinary or doing something, everyone's going to be like, oh, like, what are they going to do next? Yeah, if you don't look exactly the same as everybody else, then you're in trouble. If you're not wearing your Abercrombie polo yes. and Hollister jeans, mm-hmm. you're not in it. <laughs> it's so catty. Where did you shop? Oh, uh, Forever 21. Okay, bye. Walmart. Ugh. 
Walmart. <laughs> Target. Goodwill. Kohl's. My dad's closet. <laughs> I'm so happy those days are over. They're not. Eh. eh. I mean, I guess it just depends <laughs> how much you care. <laughs> They're not over. We just don't care anymore. It's true. <laughs> I have too much clothes. I have better things to care about now. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying about these kids giving her food for money, she says that they kind of give her the perception that her thinness is her talent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because remember, a lot of what she says in the last section is that, oh, I'm not special, I'm unique, but this is what makes me special and unique. Because she has no self-confidence. So now it's like, the thing that makes me special is how thin I am. And wow, mm-hmm. I get so much attention because I can, I'm paid to eat random food that my classmates give me. Yeah. Ivana didn't check out completely, though, because she still had some dreams, which is, I guess, what keeps most people moving forward. She still did drama and jan- dance, um, and I think those two kids that you were talking about were in her one of those classes. Well, it yeah. sounds like they're full of drama, so must have been that class. Um, she really wanted to become an actress, but she started getting passed up on by other kids for leading roles as she kind of, I don't want to say progressed, regressed in her um, anorexia mm-hmm. venture, I guess. I don't have any words. As she got like skinnier and more mentally unstable, I guess for lack of a better word, she, obviously they're not going to pick her. They're going to pick these other kids who seem mm-hmm. to be more better off. Her reaction, instead of the rational, like, I'm going to get better with my acting. Maybe I'll do, maybe I'll eat better or whatever. She's like, okay, it must be because I'm not skinny enough because it's a mental illness. And she decided to buckle down and exercise more and diet stricter. And she talks about feeling less and less until it seems like she's on the periphery of everyone's perception, which is really sad because... You have to remember that she's, like, 11 going through this. What I thought was interesting was when she brought up the word um, recovery because she's talking how everyone is going to her when she's going to all these doctors and stuff. And I guess, like, dietitian? Yeah, the someone who, like, helps you with diet nutrition. Yeah. But, yeah, her mom's also taken her, like, to, like, therapists and, like, mm-hmm. psychiatrists and... Optometrists. Yeah, and they're telling her, like, when you recover on your path to recovery, and she's just like, why are you guys talking about my recovery and my path to recovery and my future? I don't know what my future is. Like, I'm only 11. And, I mean, granted, when I was that age, I didn't really focus on what was happening down the line either. But for her, she's just like, she doesn't really have any goals set for the future. She's basically just turned numb to where she's like, you know, if I die, I die. Kind of thing. Like very um what's the what's the word? Nonchalant? Or not apathetic? Blase. Indifferent. Apathetic. Indifferent. Indifferent. Yeah. She's just kind of like eh. Synonyms. Cinnamons. Catherine Thesaurus. Yeah, she says that she basically built her whole identity on her eating disorder so if she recovers Mm -hmm. she's like what's left is there anything that's worth saving if i can quote what would recovery look like when it would annihilate the thing i built my identity on 
Was there anything worth salvaging, worth recovering about me beyond my disorder? I didn't know at this point and was not remotely curious to find out. It gets to a point where you kill off the eating disorder. Wait, it gets to a point where to kill off the eating disorder would feel like self-annihilation, and you don't actually want to die, so instead you keep starving yourself. Where did I see this ending? I didn't. At 11, you don't plan your life much further than two weeks into the future. Everything else just seems too far away, practically a fantasy. All I knew is that I was fine. I was coping. I wasn't drowning in self-hatred anymore. I knew at the end of each day, as I lay there exhausted, spent my insides growling with hunger, that I'd done everything I could to fix myself, and that knowledge alone lulled me into a deep, dreamless sleep. What was I waiting for? Nothing, really. I couldn't picture a future anymore, be it as a cat, or a pony, or an actress, or simply a happy person. I was just waiting for life to spontaneously change, to improve, or else just to quietly end. That's someone who needs therapy. Mm-hmm. That's, it's really sad. Yeah. Like, I'm a big, like, mental health advocate, and that's almost, like, passive suicide at that point. I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not good with diagnosing anything, but just based on my experiences, it seems like she's pretty depressed. Just like with the, I'm just waiting. I can say for a fact that I've had that exact line of thought pass through my head before. It's well, I, 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 I completely understand like where the logic, I guess, is. Mm-hmm. It's just like. I don't feel like doing anything to make it better, but, you know, if I get rid of this, that's how I see myself. So what am I if not this? Mm-hmm. And what what's the point of me being around if I'm not this? Like, there's not really an adjective for it. That works. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really mm-hmm. upsetting to me because that line of thought is... Just someone who's attached themselves so strongly to their trauma. My childhood trauma, I I guess I have the benefit and the curse. My stuff was pretty public. So it was never something that I never, that I had to really hide in a sense. So I never really had a feeling that I super self-identified with my trauma. But I do know people who do have mental conditions i don't want to say illnesses and people who have traumas who have had to keep them private or maybe do identify strongly with how they feel and i've known people who probably think similarly to this and it's just really upsetting i mean she turned out okay in the end that is true when you internalize this stuff it's like you it's really hard to divorce yourself from it Mm-hmm. It's a long process. It's like you get kind of comfortable in that place, and it's really hard to get out of that place. That's exactly what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, even if it's a negative perception, it's like you're still comfortable. It's like, well, that's how I've always been, so why would I change that? Yeah, we're creatures mm-hmm. of habit. We don't want to leave what we know, even if it's not good for us. That's why people stay in like abusive relationships, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. even if they know that it would be best for them if they left. It's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of mental health, her mom finds a psychotherapist that she thinks will jive with Ivana. She used that exact word too. Jive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, she says, <laughs> I've just got off the phone with a very nice lady. She tells me in a bright, melodic voice through her hesitating, a psychotherapist. 
no, 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 really, I think you'll like this lady. <laughs> so she's trying to convince her she's she's not having any of it. And Yvonne is like, yeah, no, she's just going to tell me to gain weight and I don't want any part of that. She's going to show me all her charts and I don't want to deal with that. And then her mom's like, well, if you don't go, I'm not going to take you to your drama class. Dun, dun, dun. You don't do that to an 11-year-old drama kid. Yeah, you don't take away something that they love unless it's really important. And I think this is pretty important. Yeah, my parents pulled me out of flute lessons at that age, and I was like, what? Like, huh? And that was important at the time, next to my MySpace account, but, you know, (laughs) middle school priorities. One would argue that your MySpace account was more important. At the time, MySpace was. Sadly. Anyway. Because that was her space. It was my space. And take away my space. (laughs) Tom's still there. Her mom finds out that this uh, psychotherapist has also struggled with anxiety, or anxiety, the other A1. Eating disorders. Yeah, anorexia and bulimia. And she is quote-unquote alternative. Uh-oh. She's like, if you don't go, you're not going to go to drama. But she has her appointment set for after drama club. So Ivana's like, okay, fine, I'll go because she didn't want to miss drama club. And they get to her house and it's like super sketch. It's like this random apartment building and no one's home. And they're like, maybe someone forgot about our appointment. And she comes running down the stairs and lets them in. And she gives off big hippie vibes. That's what I got. Like, big skirt, like, glittery makeup, like, hoop earrings. Kind of all over the place. I imagined a little bit more, yeah, of, like, more cool, like, lights and colors and stuff in the house. It just seemed, like, from the room that they talked about and, like... She just seemed, I don't know, Natasha just seemed like a vibe. I liked her in this little situation. I feel like that's what Luna Lovegood would grow up to be one day. Yeah. Just all over the place. Well, it's really good that she went because they basically, they hit it off. Well, it's because, like, it seemed like Natasha was treating Ivana like an actual person. Because mm-hmm. she was making direct eye contact to her, asking her, or... Not just asking her, but including her in the conversation. Seeing her again is more than the disorder. Yeah. I think that really kind of changed Ivana's view in this trip because instead of being treated like, I am a client, this is my chart, this is my data, all this stuff, Natasha just seemed like she really cared. And I think that kind of just showed Ivana like, okay, this person's not bad. What do they have to offer? It's a very strange feeling to be spoken to as if you are valid. At that age, too? Yeah, especially as a kid, because it's like, as a kid, everybody looks at you, it's like, oh, you're just a kid, you know, blah, 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 blah. But when somebody actually is, like, talking to you and saying things like, oh, what do you think about this? It kind of, like, shows them, like, oh, does what I have to say actually matter? Yeah, it's like, I'm listening to you here. Yeah, and in this case, it's important because this is, like, Vaughn's health, um, you know, in her life. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's why I like Natasha, because it just seemed like she actually gave a shit about her job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that those are the most effective therapists are the ones who, they're not necessarily sitting there trying to give you advice. They're just there to say, okay, tell me yeah. what you think about this. How are you doing? Do you need a hug? Yeah. Something like that. It's like, you t- you tell me what you want and we'll go find that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I guess if both of you are comfortable talking about this, I go to therapy. I know that, Catherine, you do therapy, and Matt, I think you do therapy as well, right? Yes. So, the first therapist I had was a horrible experience where basically I just went in a room and I, like, word vomited everything and I didn't really get anything from it and I left and never went back. The therapist that I have now, she's like a life changer. It's amazing when you actually connect with a therapist. I feel like it's similar to what Ivana had with um, Natasha. I don't know. It's just really cool when you're able to connect on that level with a mental health professional. Yeah. I don't know if you all have had that same experience. I mean, not quite on that level. But actually, the counselor I had before the one I have right now is actually, I think, my favorite. Because she was just, she didn't have to say anything. She just let me go off. And then she would point out, it's like, you see what you just said? I'm like, oh, damn, you're right. Mm-hmm. And so she would just kind of guide me. And I, I kind of liked that. Yeah. I feel very open to my therapist and comfortable and trust my therapist. There are a lot of things that I've shared that I don't think I would share to a lot of people. And I haven't shared to a lot of people at all. I just feel like there's like this nice safe space and trust that I have with my therapist that kind of has helped me a little bit, especially within this last year, just helping me trying to move forward from some of the things that I've experienced, not just within the last year, but within my entire life. And yeah, I would say it's very relieving to kind of share that. Yeah, it's a different experience because a lot of times people grow up thinking there's something wrong with them. And then to finally talk to somebody and be like, no, this yeah. is just an experience. Not painted in that negative light. There have been so many things where I just, like, have sat and talked to my therapist being like, is there something wrong with me? Am I, like, crazy? Am I wrong for thinking this or reacting this way? And it's like, no, you're valid. And It's like, no, it's just, it's just an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Life is full of experiences, and that's all it is. And you always need yeah. to keep in mind that your therapist will more than likely be a little bit biased on your side just because they have a relationship with you and they're getting your perception of things. But my therapist has done a mix of things where she does, like, what Matt, well, your therapist is, where I just kind of go off and she kind of, like, directs me and counters me when I need it. And also, it's been situations where I'm like, hey, I'm experiencing this right now. I need some advice. Like, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of like whatever flavor I need her to be. If she was Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor. (laughs) It's been a while since I've had them. I love Ben and Jerry's. Why are we whispering? (sighs) I just want ice cream now. Thanks. I just Ice cream ASMR. Actually, I'm going to get some sorbet in a second here because... Is that for Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour? Are we going to need some ice cream? I want some ice cream. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Just therapy has been life-changing, and I feel like it's life-changing when you find someone who can help you navigate things because you can't go through life without experiencing trauma. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you could, but you'd be bored. 
but you also need therapy. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like everyone could, everyone can use therapy. <laughs> so Ivana has one of these sessions where she basically word vomits everything that she's going through. Her feelings of being insecure, her feelings of issues of wanting to be wanted, but not wanting to change anything. Kind of what we were talking about earlier when you're kind of, you'd rather uh, stick with what's familiar, even though you know it'd be better to change kind of thing. I think it's interesting how she mentions how, can I read this really quick? Yeah. How she talks about the only time she feels really happy. She puts down, the only time I ever feel anything approaching happiness is at the end of the day when I get into bed and there's nothing else in the way of me succumbing to exhaustion. And maybe for a few fleeting moments when I step on the scales and see that my weight has dropped before my mind starts panicking and planning out how I'm going to maintain this new low weight. And maybe, I add, maybe sometimes for a few minutes a day when I'm reading a Harry Potter book, though even that is fading lately and losing its power to distract me. It just seems like she's kind of, what you said, regressing. Like, she only feels really happy when she's, like, purely exhausted, it seems like. After she's, like, you know, working out intensely, not eating much, she doesn't really have, like, she still loves reading, I'm sure, Harry Potter, yeah, but it's not as, like... Rewarding. Yeah. When I was reading this section... I was kind of feeling this happiness for her that she's, it seems like she's found somebody that's really trying to help her and that is really going to help her. But at the same time, it's just like, you're also seeing this like really dark scene that, you know, Ivana is not done. You know, this is not over, Mm -hmm. you know, like this, she's still going through some stuff Mental health is a long game. Yeah, it's it's a really long journey, which I thought was just really interesting because it's like you're seeing the progress in some ways. And I think in this way, she's finally seeing somebody that's actually going to help her. Mm-hmm. But you're also still seeing like the regression. You know, she's losing a part of herself. It's not an instant fix. It, yeah, progress is not linear. Yeah, and she says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that Natasha gave her hope, but she still struggled with eating disorder, not eating. She ate a full lunch for like the first time in a while, but she kept losing weight still. And even though she was doing better with Natasha, uh, her parents basically chose to hospitalize her. And then we get into chapter four. This is your favorite chapter, Catherine. Because you were talking about it. You, you kept saying, oh, we'll talk oh, about this yeah. earlier in chapter four. <laughs> I got so confused. I was like, how is this? I mean, this chapter was a lot. What was it? Like 40-ish pages of a lot of stuff. A lot of detail. Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver and let's say this person was me and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. 
And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at labellrosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal. And it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, Not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm going to be late. Oh. So I'm going to go. Go to La Belle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. (laughs) Drop everything. Go. Lead us in. You wanted to do this chapter. Mm. Well, basically, she is in the hospital. The beginning, like, I guess, like, she wakes up after being in there. Did she, like, pass out? It said she slept for 48 hours, so I'm not sure if it was just, like, pure exhaustion or if she was, like, drugged a little bit. It kind of seemed like that towards the end of Chapter 3 that she was seemed, like, she seemed exhausted when her parents, like, came up to her and approached her about the hospital trip because it was, like, either that or, like, a field trip somewhere seeing goats. And she was like, I should have picked the goats. She just kind of gave in to it, I feel like. Yeah. and s- Goats will do that to you. She like, doesn't have the energy to fight it anymore. Yeah. And so she wakes up and she feels refreshed after sleeping. And she goes to a nurse and the nurse hands her like, some, she's like, can I have some Rice Krispies? She eats a bowl of cereal. She goes to sleep. The next morning she does the same thing. And she's kind of just acting like, there's nothing wrong with me. This is a mistake. I shouldn't be here. I'm going to be home very, very soon. Just kind of assuming that the hospital trip is not going to be as long as we know it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Because I already knew that, like, okay, she's going to be in here for a while. Yeah, I was thinking, like, a couple weeks at least. Yeah, and it just, in her mind, because she thinks that everything is, like, fine, she's like, oh, I'll be back home this afternoon. It'll be great. And yeah. No. Uh, not the thing. No. She has a meeting with the doctor, uh, who I think is Dr. Nolan and her parents. You got it right. And she finds out that she can't leave until her BMI is in a healthy range. I know we're talking about eating disorders and BMI is like a decent measurement, I guess. But I also wanted to talk about how much of a BS measurement BMI is. Because BMI just measures your, I think it's your weight to your height, and it doesn't take into consideration, like, muscle mass. So, like, technically on the BMI scale, I'm obese. I knew it. Yeah, I remember, like, years ago, this was back at KSU, and I was not, I was in pretty good shape. And I remember they, like, measured my BMI, and they're like, you're getting onto the overweight side. And I was like, What? It was weird. I'm over there looking at Catherine. I'm like, how is Catherine of all people here going to the overweight size? I'm average size. I'm not overweight, but I don't know. I I feel like I still weigh the same that I did like 10 years ago. So I was sitting there and I was like, excuse me? Like, you sure you got that right? And they was like, nah, you fat. I'm like, okay. Yeah, BMI is a ridiculous measurement when it comes down to it. And I... I guess I can understand it for this case when they're trying to just bring her up to, like, a healthy weight. But I feel like there's a lot more to weight than just putting on weight. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Wait. Slow down. <laughs> okay, the joke's over. But you also have to think about, like, the time, like, back in the day. I don't know. This was the early 2000s. They probably didn't know. Yeah, and... 
some of the advice that I remember, like, reading about, this is how you should lose weight. Not good. Not good advice. So. Yeah. We have developed as a society somewhat in the last, what, 15-ish so years? I'm saying somewhat because we haven't done a really good job in the last 15 years, but at least in, from a health standpoint, I think we've been doing a little bit better. So I just feel like there are better ways of measuring someone rather than BMI. Because mm-hmm. it's pretty known that BMI is like an arbitrary statistic. How would you measure that then? Like, what would you measure? Yes, Dr. Brittany, do enlighten us. I don't really know, to be really honest. I also don't know. But I'm saying there's got to be a better way. <laughs> there's got to be a better way. If you know, let us know. But their way is stupid. Maybe, like, progress or trajectory or... Uh, I guess you can't just do general weight because, like, you have different heights. And also, BMI doesn't account for different body sizes and body types as well. I mean, like she was saying at the beginning, it's like putting a quantity on it kind of is like in any capacity, putting a quantity on it is like, oh, this is so this is what it's supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you do need to have something for health's sake, but I'm just saying that maybe this isn't the best way. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. So basically, uh, her doctor's like, you're not leaving or you're not getting discharged until you hit this certain BMI level. And she's like kind of freaking out because also she's like, I ordered Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix early and it's releasing on June 21st. Or 21st June, as the Brits say. 21st June. 21st June. She's Irish. Same thing. Ireland is a different country. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare say that to an Irish person. Ireland's a different country. They use euros, not pounds. (laughs) You say that to an Irish person, you will be dead. It's not America, so therefore it's the same country. (laughs) Europe. (laughs) Europe is a country. It's a country. It's not America. (laughs) The country of Europe. Wait, what was I saying? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because she ordered Harry Potter. She wants to be at the book release. And, I mean, I don't know about y'all if you saw this, but I knew Harry Potter fans that wanted to be at freaking Barnes & Noble the day it got released. And they were, like, there. Oh, yeah. No, of course. Oh, I didn't do that. I got those midnight book shipments that they got because I don't want to go to no bookstore. I was like, bring it to me. And I still haven't changed. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm like, you bring you bring that shit to me at midnight. <laughs> You can't take me to the Barrett Parkway Barnes and Noble if you tried. That's so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I never did any of that. My parents just gave it to me like a month later or a week later. Yeah, it was, it was too much. Back in those days, that's when they had the uh, borders in the mm-hmm. Avenue. Oh, like borders. Cobb. That's when borders was a thing. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where I would probably have went because I think that might have been closer than Barrett Parkway. But... Probably. Yeah, I, you couldn't have dragged me to... I mean, I loved bookstores, but I didn't want to go to no midnight release of a book. No, thank you. I was like, just ship it to me at my house and I'll read it in bed in my cozy pajamas. There were too many annoying teenage girls. Yeah. And I say annoying, but I would probably have tried to date them all. So. <laughs> I mean, what else were you guys doing in 2003? Like, um, I was playing Pokemon. <laughs> I might have started violin that year. I was practicing my flute, I think. Well, yeah, and I was playing bass, too, I guess, but I wasn't practicing that much. I was riding my bike a lot, pretending it was a horse. Yeah, I probably played animal games outside, like every kid. 
Played Zoo Tycoon a lot on the computer. Neopets. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. I don't want to go on to Neopets because I'll find that all my animals are starving. <laughs> They're all corpses. <laughs> They're zombies. Basically. Zombie Neopets. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not a thing. She wanted to go get her Harry Potter book and she was like, well, I... Or wait, no, no, no. Am I getting ahead of myself? This is when, a little bit, this is when her dad basically emotionally collapses and says that they really didn't have a choice but to commit her to the hospital because otherwise, if they had let her stay at home, defects or the mm-hmm. Irish version of defects would have taken her away. And it, her dad cries. Like, yeah. I don't know about you. I've never seen my dad cry. But if I ever saw my dad cry, I'd be like, this shit is real. Yeah, I've never seen my dad cry either. Same. I know one person that they made their dad cry over something that that they didn't want to stop doing. And when they saw their dad cry, they were like, okay, maybe I should stop doing this. Yeah. I mean, if my dad cried, I'd also contemplate all my life choices up there to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then her parents just kind of leave her there and she talks about this woman named Miriam. She and Miriam are not friends. Who is Miriam? What is she? Is she a social worker? It seems like she's like a... She works in the therapy... Like, I want to say... It's like psychiatry unit? Yeah. But would you trust anybody named Miriam? No. Actually, I know a Miriam, so... I know a Miriam, too. And you don't trust her, I bet. Uh, she's giving me some gigs, so... I have to say, yes, I do trust her. (laughs) (laughs) I know somebody named Miriam... They're, they're pretty nice. Yeah. What you got against Miriam, Matt? Mona has something wrong with Miriam. Miriam was staring her down, writing down notes in a notebook. Actually, I think I actually literally just met someone named Miriam now that I think about it. <laughs> five, five days ago. Do you trust her? I don't know. I've talked to her once. Oh. We're not going to trust this Miriam in mm-hmm. this story. She basically kind of just talks about how she was so upset that her parents left her at the ho- like the hospital, I was about to say hotel, at the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> and she basically just goes on a, like a hunger strike for three days, it seemed like. I think she said two days. Well, I think in total it was three. She was like, by the third morning. Oh, I think it was hunger, like full hunger strike for two days. And then like on the morning of the third day, she caved. Yeah, and... I, th- I guess, like, in the middle of that, all, everything happening, you know, she's crying, she's, she wants to be alone, she's not talking to anybody, her mom visits her and brings flowers and things from her room, like her books and her bead set, tried, you know, I guess make it feel a little bit more cozy than you're in a hospital mm-hmm. kind of situation, and then her mom opens up that she understands what Ivana's going through, because she also went through a deceiving order, or eating disorder. A, a deceiving order? <laughs> My words. It's amazing that she didn't talk to Ivana about that sooner. But I think that also pissed off Ivana because it's like, why are you now coming to me about this when you knew this the whole time? I was thinking about this and I was trying to put my perspective as a parent who has a child who has anorexia. I was thinking maybe she didn't want to tell her because she didn't want to either acknowledge it like acknowledge that her daughter was struggling with the same thing that she struggled with like self-denial or maybe she didn't want to give Ivana 
like a twisted reason to look up to her mom be like oh well my mom has it so it's yeah not that bad or kind of putting it more on a pedestal than it already is mm-hmm. maybe maybe I don't know I'm just trying to think of what kind of judgment called because I feel like if your kid is struggling with something the response should be to be like hey I went through this but maybe this is different I guess in some situations, too, it's like maybe your parents just don't know what to do in a situation like that. That's mm-hmm. what I originally thought. I think a, lo- a lot of it is that because nobody tells parents how to deal with this stuff. No, there's no manual. So they're just like, the situation comes up, they're like, uh, I guess I'm going to bullshit my way through it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I thought it was interesting how she mentioned that she, during the hunger strike and stuff that she was kind of going through, she would sneak in, like, doing these, like, speed exercises while she was, quote-unquote, changing inside, like, her curtain area. Yeah. I guess not to be suspicious to, like, you know, the nurses or anything like that. But she's like, oh, like, I haven't worked out. I need to, like, you know, burn off this fat. And then when she wasn't able to exercise, she would just be like, ugh, like, I feel this way. And I, I'll be really honest with you, I have done the speedy exercise thing before. It is not healthy. I did that for a very long time, once upon a time. Not a good thing. Not a healthy thing. Why is it not a good thing? I just feel like it really didn't help much. I used to think this when I was really, really young. And I'm not certified in whatnot like health knowledge or anything like that as much like I know basic knowledge but I just remember being like oh if I like do a speed 100 sit-ups I'll be fine I won't get like fat or anything like that I used to think that a lot when I was way younger and that was just like kind of the way that I used to think with my health and exercise I changed obviously like when I got older and to college but when I was like in high school and stuff I didn't have a lot of knowledge about like what's healthy for exercise and what's healthy to eat and and things like that I didn't have a lot of knowledge and I just thought oh if I do like 150 sit-ups I'll be fine that good old Georgia education (laughs) well the thing is is fast exercises like that are good for certain things so when, when you're working out if you, I forget what it is, but there are two way, two big ways to exercise, and one of them is to do things quickly, and that promotes something. And then the other way is to like max out, like the loads that you're doing, and that I think that builds strength. And then I think the the fast one's good for like your twitch muscles or something like that. Yeah, they're good for the like tiny little ones. Yeah, Isn't it like pyrogenics. Isn't that fire? Oh, pyrotechnics is one thing, yeah. <laughs> is that why I said genics? <laughs> Isn't that fire? <laughs> I was like, there's a word for it. I know there's a word for it. We're not dietitians. We're musicians. We're not. I'm, again, basic knowledge people. But back in the day, like when I was a lot younger, like high school, middle school, that's what I thought. Because I was just like, oh. But either way, you should definitely be eating and like a well-balanced meal Mm -hmm. if you're exercising and she's not eating and trying to exercise and they caught her doing it and they took her curtain away uh so that way she couldn't hide from them which kind of sucks but i think it's warranted and i think finally 
what was it, like, after the third morning of her hunger strike and her parents came in, that was when they were like, if you don't hit this BMI level, you're not leaving. Uh, the doctor said that if she doesn't cooperate, that they'll feed her via feeding tube. tube. Yeah, if she won't voluntarily eat. That sounds... Just having an IV stuck in you. A feeding tube's not an IV. It, like, literally goes into your... Yeah, that's nasty. Oh! Oh! I thought it was just, like, an IV that they stuck in her. IV is, like, saline. No. Like, a feeding tube that's literally, like, goes down your throat, like, into your stomach. Oh, no! That's what, that's what they give old people that can't physically eat anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just like you did it through like an IV. I'm so dumb. Don't listen to me, people, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that just like, bleh, like that just makes me gag just like thinking about something going down my throat. Yeah, I mean, it's not <laughs> so. ideal. No. And then that's when she does the compromise, which is as long as she co- uh, cooperates with the diet and gains her target weight, then she can go to the book release on 21st June. Do, 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 yeah. She basically, what was it? Like, they were able to make something where, like, a compromise because she hadn't hit her goal or something like that, or the goal that they had set for her because, like, she couldn't, she couldn't, like, do the whole release. She just showed up that morning, like, when they opened the store. And she, like, got in, like, super VIP access. Like, I got the book firsthand and whatnot. Yeah, they basically gave her the sick child free pass. And you know how she talks about the photo? Like, she says, trust me, if you want to find this photo of me, like, Google this. And I Googled it. And it, so did I. It's cute. Yeah, she's just, like, an adorable, like, little kid with the little glasses drawn. Wait, what's the picture? She basically dressed up. Like, she didn't dress up, but she, like drew like these Harry Potter glasses on her face um, and had like a shirt and she got like this super VIP, like it's on Google. I guess like in her town, it's like in a local paper and they took a picture of her with the book, getting the book and with her little makeup. You can look up this precise unfortunate ensemble on Google, by the way, just type in order the Phoenix book release drog, droghea, D-R-O-G-H-E-D-A. Those Irish towns, Celtic language, just, it's different than when you think, what you read. I'm American. I know, I'm American. Like, a tenth Irish. Is it the one with her? She got the little scar, she got the scar on her head, yeah. she got the book yeah, sign. Yeah, that's her. Baby Ivana Lynch. She's a cutie. I, I've always visualized her, though. Okay, she has, like, brunette hair in this, and I know that, like, not everybody sticks to the same hair color, but she has, like, brunette hair, it looks like, in that picture, and I was like... Oh, so is that with her with brown hair? <laughs> or, like, dirty blonde hair? Not, like, the bleach blonde hair that I'm so used to seeing her as. Because this entire time, I've just been visualizing, like, bleach blonde. Keep in mind, she might dye her hair. That might not be her natural hair color. I don't think that's her natural hair color. The picture that we found on Google, that book release, is her real hair color, it looks like. But anyway, she makes it to the release, she gets her book, and then she is just, like very occupied reading her book also seemed like even during like like she was getting like cards from family members she was making them the crafts again saying like thank you with the thank you cards and um it seemed like she was like getting back her creativity and like reading books again like she was mentioning that she was rereading the harry potter series uh the series of fortunate events which throwback and also star girl did you ever read that like in class. I just remember I read it. No, I've never read that. I remember the cover. It was like a nice, cool, light blue. 
there's a stick figure of a girl, and it said Star Girl on it. I just remembered that. Read in fifth grade. Um, but I was just, like, looking at those book titles, and I was just like, wow, throwback to my childhood back in sixth grade. That's the mid-2000s. <laughs> and this is when she has her first interaction with Luna, too. I love it. That's true. Luna was introduced in the fifth book. Which, Catherine, this is something that you wanted to talk about at the beginning, so I'll give you the floor. Yeah, so can I just, like, read the little snippet that she writes about her? Mm-hmm. And Luna Lovegood shows up in Chapter 10, and I'm not prepared for her. I'm instantly entranced by the girl with the straggly, waist-length, dirty blonde hair and aura of distinct dottiness. At first, she just seems funny and extremely odd, laughing too long, and positing bizarre conspiracy theories she's the weird girl at school pulling focus from all the other anxiety riddled misfits who breathe a sigh of relief and unite to ridicule her in the hope that amid a crowd nobody will see the bits of them that stick out too so basically like this little character description it just reminds me of ivana lynch i'm like this like character fits her well the more i read this is later on The more I read, the more I search for her, flipping pages ahead to find her name, wondering when she'll show up again, hoping for her to make an appearance, looking for that wonderfully elusive feeling of, I think, relief, lightness. I can't understand why, but every time she shows up, something deep within me seems to sigh. She makes my mind still. She makes me laugh. She makes me curious. She hooks me in the present moment. In her presence, anxiety, fear, and shame seem to dissolve. Myself seems to dissolve. She makes everything seem less important, less serious. I just thought that was like really touching because I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, and she becomes this character and brings it to life. And it just like, I don't know. That just like really touched my heart because it just seemed like this is a person that is not afraid of, like, because if you read the Harry Potter books, Luna Lovegood is not afraid of being herself. She is not afraid of being weird, quirky. Everybody makes fun of her. And she doesn't care. She's just like, I know people talk about me. I know people like hide my things at the end of the or during the year and I have to search for them. And I know they, you know, I'm this weird person and she's not afraid of being herself. And I think like Ivana just seemed to like see that and just like, that's like, it's, I aspire to be that. I aspire to be this person. And she talks about how like visualizing that kind of really helped her get away from her eating disorder. I mean, that was like the start. Well, because at their core, Luna and Havana seem to have a lot of the same defining qualities, but the biggest difference is that Luna is comfortable in her skin and Havana is not. Yeah. So I can definitely see that helping to pull her out of like the grasp of an eating disorder. Just like touched my heart. I was like, little does she know. A few years time. In four short years. She is going to have time of her life. <laughs> she gets distressed, I think, later on that page because she identifies so strongly with her, but yet she sees these core differences and she's like, I think she, that's when it hits your, her more that she doesn't have a sense of self as strongly as she could. So I'm interested to see how that manifests in her future. Yeah. She's in the hospital for five and a half weeks total, and her parents discharge her earlier than the program goes. Uh, but they could see that she's mentally struggling, which I can say, like, A-plus move on her parents' part for doing that. Because if she's not mentally well, then that's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. Well, like, she also mentions how, like, 
the because every how she, she talks about how all these people like her friends and her family members are like sending her letters visiting her hoping that she's okay and that kind of has died down now because everyone's it's summer everyone's mm-hmm. gone and she's done reading harry potter because she read that in like probably three days like easy read for me i was like stuck on that for maybe two months being like what the hell is the ministry of magic i mean you 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 gotta savor it that's the one you gotta savor that's the one that when i reread as an adult i had a lot more of an appreciation for yeah Mm -hmm. versus like when we were kids we were just like what the hell is this i was like i just want harry potter being the shit out of voldemort but now we have harry versus uh magical trump yeah, Dave and I were reading it when Trump was president, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Some parallels. Hey, look, it's Corne- Cornelius Trump. <laughs> <laughs> she eats normally for a few weeks because she's determined to, like, stick it to the man, basically. And she goes to a fancy summer camp. Her aunt packs her all these nice, like, organic, expensive foods And she starts getting in her head about not belonging to the cool kids. And the only person she really talks to is this girl who's kind of a loner and who likes to hang out with rocks, which I'm not hating on. She's your geologist in the building. (laughs) Luna, is that you? (laughs) Um, And she just kind of gets unhappy with where she is and she starts to find control and not eating again. Yeah, she feeds her snacks, she said. By the end of those two weeks, uh, What's-Her-Name had a new rock collection, and the mountain was full of crows because she was feeding them her snacks. And it's like, here we go again. Again, progress is not linear. Nope. Progress is more about two steps forward and one back. From my own mental health journey, that's kind of what I've noticed. I agree. I feel... I've I've been there. Or it's a big old circle. (laughs) Circle of your mental health. For some people, you could just end up at the starting point again. You got to go around again. And I guess if you just keep relapsing forever. Mm-hmm. And then you eventually got to change direction or something. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's also one way to look at it. It's two steps forward, one back. And if you can't get to that point, it's circular. And you need to do something drastic to get out of that. Yeah. Or maybe you were in the right spot the whole time. You just need to realize it. Like, they just have to change their perspective and that's what they're trying to do yeah yeah that's that's their journey is changing their perspective i could see that and sometimes it's a combination well thank you for joining us matt yeah thank you for coming on a quick quick hot take harry and luna should have ended up together um forget (laughs) Ginny. um harry and luna are the true pairing of harry potter you know i was actually thinking that too on my reread the harry and luna especially in the movie yeah i was like why didn't they end up together they had a, they had a scene in the fifth movie where she like grabs his hand for a second and he like looks at her and I was like no Cho Chang was the girl okay on his eye and he was like Cho was also being a tool in that whole movie so just crying her boyfriend died and she's like fifteen they were only dating for like what six months <laughs> she's fifteen I get that but then why did you agree to go out with this other boy if you knew you weren't over that right. Right? Right? Because she's a 15-year-old girl. No, she's 16. She's a year older than Harry. Yeah, she's she's supposed to be the more mature one, so... Mm. Yeah. Honestly, same thing. Like, my emotions were not that regulated when I was 16, so... I'm just saying. 
I mean, not that Harry was the smartest person when it comes to relationships, but come mm, on He's a now. big old dummy. No, Harry was just super angsty. I like how <laughs> when she mentions, like, when she's reading Harry Potter and Order, the Order of Phoenix, she's like, I love it when I see Harry and his, like, angstiness or, like, something about his, like, hormones and he's, like, lashing out at people. <laughs> I'm like, the mood. He went to town on those people. It's just so funny because I feel like everything that I've seen Harry Potter related, um, like the Potterless podcast, they talk about his angst a lot. Like he's just this angsty teenage boy at some moments. And it's like, Harry, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were several moments in that book where I was just like, ugh. I know. Even Potter Puppet Pals does it. They have like a whole episode where it's just like. Was it angst? Harry and his angst. And he's like, angst, angst, angst. <laughs> I can't hold down a girlfriend. I'm surrounded by goblins. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, throwback Thursday to Potter mm. Peppa Pals. Classics. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Matt. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, I should probably plug in my phone because it's about to die. Oh. But also, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you, know, you already know it's time to find some delicious conversations. Triple M underscore conversations oh i have something to plug oh Catherine, do you want to plug something yeah Catherine, would you like to plug something this is 15th if you're listening um in the future if you're in colorado if you're around next week in colorado on june 24th i will be playing a recital with my duo duo de azre it's a flute and harp duo we are playing a recital called Postcards from Duo de Azre. Probably just said that wrong. But anyway, we will be playing works by Cecile Chaminade, Vincent Persichetti, Astor, Piazzolla, and Yuko Ubiyashi. I'm really excited because it's basically... I only know one of those people. Which one? Astor Piazzolla. Piazzolla. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're doing Histoire du Tango. I love this piece. It's so fun. Are you live streaming it? I think most likely, yes. So I will be live streaming. You are now because I want to watch. I also want to watch. I told my heart friend, I said, I probably like should live stream this because if I don't, my mom's going to get really mad. So (laughs) (laughs) I just, I feel like it's just smart. But yeah, if you're in Colorado and you're in the Colorado Springs area specifically, we are performing at First Christian Church in uh, Colorado Springs. That address is 16 East Platte Avenue. Um, but yeah, seems like a really cute, like really neat venue. And we have a really neat program, women and men composers. So we'll mix and living and non-living. So real living, breathing <laughs> composers. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> back. But yeah, come, come out and see us at 7.30 PM. And cool. I'll put information in the show notes for that so rad you know if you're in if you're into the pipe and we'll make sure to catch on the live stream (laughs) you're into the pipe (laughs) sorry i'm just like thinking something different (laughs) (laughs) i guess i have something i want to plug myself which is our patreon page Mm -hmm. if you our patreon page patreon page where you can find uh mukbangs and oh my god only um, asmr only fans (laughs) (laughs) no You can find all of that and more. But you can find our Fiddle and Pipe happy hour. And bloopers not text from every episode. And we mm-hmm. will be unleashing a new tier soon that has 
some uh, interesting books that we will be reading. So ready for this book conversation, you guys, about this book. I wonder which book you're talking. Which book are you talking about? I'm not sure. Oh my god, which I can't wait is. to actually finally say it at some point. I love the color gray. If you're interested in supporting what we do, uh, go ahead and check us out, patreon.com slash pipe. If you can't or don't want to financially contribute to us, you can always rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. That's free. And you can uh, sit down your best friendo and share our podcast to their eardrums. That's also free. Or if you don't have friends, you can just like plug it into a store intercom and just play it over <laughs> the store intercom. That too. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, what else do we have to plug, Catherine? Hmm? Follow us at Phil and Pipe on Instagram or at Cat Flinch Flute or at BM Ross Music because. If you want those updates, you're going to have to follow us for those updates. Matt, do you want to plug your socials while we're at it? I mean, you could follow me on social media, but I don't want to go on there, so you won't see anyone <laughs> post anything. Okay. I don't go on my Instagram to post anything, so. Um, but you can follow the Mmm Conversations Instagram, so. Mm-hmm. And what is what is it? Uh, underscore? Three, with three M's, underscore, uh, conversations. You can find us on Facebook at Fiddle and Pike Forum, and that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see y'all next week for the next two chapters of Firefly Hunting. And until next time. See you guys. Bye, 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 bye. Adios. No stop. <laughs>